0: Today on The Matt Walsh Show, a teacher in Washington read a trans indoctrination book to her first grade students. The school board didn't take any action against her, probably because the board is run by a woman who owns an all-ages sex toy shop. This is the state of the modern school system. We'll talk about it. Also, we'll discuss the birthing person controversy, just in time for Birthing Person Day. And in our five headlines, Caitlyn Jenner continues to be a train wreck. The jobs report proves that it's probably not a good idea to pay people to not work. Who would have thought? And uh, Alexandra ocasio Cortez credits Planned Parenthood with saving babies. Finally, in our daily, in our daily cancellation, uh, we'll talk about the case of a high school girl who faces over a decade in prison for trying to rig her homecoming election. Maybe a little bit overkill, we might think. A lot to get to today, and we'll get to all that today on the Matt Walsh Show. Now checking in with Bambi. You know, uh, if you're a business owner, you have a, probably enough things to deal with as a business owner, challenges, obstacles you have to get over every single day. Uh, and why why should HR, why should all the things that come with HR be one of the problems you have to deal with on a daily basis? When running a business, HR issues can kill you. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, all of it. But also on top of that, HR manager salaries aren't cheap. Average of $70,000 a year, we're talking Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small businesses. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. Uh, With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to one of your biggest strengths. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat, and uh, they handle everything from onboarding determinations. They customize your policies to fit your business, and they help you manage your employees day to day, all for just $99 a month. It's that easy. It's that affordable. So go to Bambi.com slash Walsh right now and uh, schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Walsh spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Walsh. This story begins with the standard level of public school degeneracy, but then gets darker and darker and darker as you plunge down the rabbit hole. Our friends over at YAF have the report out of uh, Bellingham School District in Washington. According to an anonymous tip they received, a first grade teacher by the name of Jennifer Miller read a trans propaganda book called I Am Jazz to the six and seven-year-old children in her first grade class. This was done apparently without asking the parents' permission or notifying them ahead of time, of course. Now, subscribers to my YouTube channel, and if you're not a subscriber, you should become one, uh, may be familiar with the book I Am Jazz because we did a video a few months ago where I read that book, and this story out of Bellingham School District is exactly why I read it. Kids are being subjected to this kind of thing in school, and it's important that you understand what exactly we're dealing with, more specifically what your kids are dealing with. To summarize, I Am Jazz tells the true life tale of Jazz Jennings, a boy who began transitioning into a girl from the age of like four or five because his mom is a Munchausen abuser who projected her own mania onto her helpless little boy. Now that's my own editorial. It's not what the book says exactly. What the book does say is that Jazz was a boy with a girl stuck inside him, or rather, he was a boy with a girl's brain stuck inside him somehow. Now, how does a boy end up with a girl brain? What does it actually mean? Isn't a brain inside a boy's head automatically a boy a boy brain? Literally, by definition. I mean, is it like the definition of a boy brain? Uh, like the the brain inside of a boy is a boy brain? Isn't that what that is? Well, the book doesn't get into these questions at all. Here's how the book presents it. I'll play a clip here of Jazz Jennings himself actually reading. Uh, the book, here it is, let's watch.
1: I have a girl brain, but a boy body. This is called transgender. I was born this way. When I was very little and my mom would say, you're such a good boy, I would say, no mama, good girl. At first my family was confused. They'd always thought of me as a boy. As I got a little older, I hardly ever played with trucks or tools or superheroes, only princesses and mermaid costumes. My brothers told me this was girl stuff. I kept right on playing. My sister says I was always talking to her about my girl thoughts and my girl dreams and how one day I would be a beautiful lady. She would giggle and say, you're a funny kid. Sometimes my parents let me wear my sister's dresses around the house. But whenever we went out, I had to put on my boy clothes again. This made me mad. Still, I never gave up trying to convince them. Pretending I was a boy felt like telling a lie.
0: Their parents were confused. His parents were confused. I'm confused. Uh, His parents were confused when the boy says, "Uh, no, mommy, I'm a girl. And the parents said, what? I'm so confused. What's going on? What's what's happening? Uh, It's just your kid being a kid. That's what's happening. Your kid." Just, just your, your kid is simply babbling like kids do. Not much to be confused about. But this is what ch- children are being taught in school. It's the brainwashing that um, first graders in the Bellingham School District had to endure, which is what caused some parents to email the teacher, understandably outraged, and demand answers. Now, as YAF reports, the teacher, Jennifer Miller, responded to one email saying... Yes, I did read this book. As a district, we are working hard to support all members of our school community and promote inclusion through understanding and compassion. Yes, understanding. She is promoting understanding by making wild anti-scientific claims about girl brains getting accidentally planted inside the skulls of little boys. Maybe there was some kind of mix-up on the assembly line in heaven. I don't know. And she's promoting compassion by normalizing the psychological and sexual abuse of children. Makes total sense. But as I warn, this story gets even more deranged. Parents took their plight to the school board, hoping to find a sane person somewhere who would hold this pervert teacher accountable. But sadly, the school board um, did nothing. And that's probably because the president of the school board is another Jennifer, Jennifer Mason, who lists her, first of all, lists her pronouns in her Instagram bio, so kind of tells you where she's coming from. But far worse than that, she also runs a self-described all-ages sex toy shop. Now, I didn't misspeak. It is an all-ages sex toy shop. And all-ages really means all-ages. Reading now from the YAF report, it says, An investigation by YAF revealed that Jennifer Mason, president of the Bellingham School School Board, owns and operates a self-described all-ages sex toy shop. According to a local paper, Mason said, while the store only sells for those ages 16 and older... 16 and older at the sex toy shop, people of any age can be in the store. Uh, I want to be, I want to show people if, I want to show people if sex isn't something to be ashamed about, um, I should be able to be an elected official and own a sex toy shop at the same time, Mason told the local paper. That's what it means to live your values. Well, that part is true. I mean, she is living her values. She is living by the values of a demented freak. And she's running the school board by those same values. These are also the values of the most powerful people and institutions in America. Which perhaps lends some context to a moment yesterday that got plenty of attention and provoked plenty of laughter when Representative Cory Bush, um, one of the newest members of the squad, I believe, addressed a House committee and used a certain phrase. Let's listen to that clip.
2: I sit before you today as a single mom, as a nurse, as an activist, and as a congresswoman. And I am committed to doing the absolute most to protect black mothers, to protect black babies, to protect black birthing people, and to save lives. Thank you, and I yield back.
0: Birthing people. Of course, many jokes can be made about this and have been made about this and should be made about this, and that's all good. It it deserves to be mocked relentlessly and ruthlessly So we can, of course, joke about how we're going to call our moms on Sunday to wish a happy birthing person day. Or we could start talking about how we need to rewrite some song titles like When a Man Loves a Birthing Person and Man I Feel Like a Birthing Person and and, American Birthing Person and Witching Birthing Person. Um, You get the idea. All all the jokes are great. But underneath the well-deserved mockery is a pretty insidious truth that they're trying to rewrite reality they're taking all that is good and true and beautiful and they're emptying it out and twisting it into hideous, unrecognizable shapes and making everything ugly and weird and meaningless. What we need desperately to understand and what cannot possibly be emphasized enough is that these people, and when I say these people, I mean the ones running schools and school boards and classrooms and state houses all the way up to Congress and the White House, they have a deep seething hatred For all that they consider to be old And traditional and outmoded We could say that they don't trust Any truth that they didn't invent Themselves five seconds ago They want to break down not only Human civilization but humanity itself And build it all up again In their own deranged image They believe they have a moral license To do whatever needs to be done In order to bring bring that about Certainly brainwashing your child Is one of those things That's why that teacher, when she was called on it, she didn't apologize or anything like it. She said, yeah, I read the book. What are you going to do about it? I'll read whatever I want to your kid because these are my values and they're the correct values. They don't recognize your moral or natural authority as a parent over your own children because you're one of the bad guys in their minds and they are saving your children from you. By indoctrinating them into the, the cult of the chosen ones, the enlightened ones. This is what we're up against. It's the hill that we're fighting on. And it really is the last hill, because it's the hill of reality itself. That's what the battle is over. And we really, really cannot afford to lose it. Now let's get to our five headlines. <laughs> You know, if if I am known for anything, which I'm probably not known for anything at all, but if I am, it's my beard. And you might say that's kind of sad. You know, in media, shouldn't I be known for something other than the hair on my face? But but I'll take it. And I get so I get questions all the time about how do I have such a glorious, beautiful beard? And uh, I always tell people, you know, a lot. Some of it is just natural, but a lot of it is upkeep. And that's why you need a company like Beard Supply and all the products that they offer. Uh, manly men grow beards. Here's what they do. They grow beards, they grill meat, and they drink handcrafted booze. That's my opinion. You can enter to win a stash of goods from Beard Supply, Meat Church, Desert Door, Howler Brothers, and more. Badass brands for the red-blooded American male. One lucky winner will get a collection of beard oils and grooming essentials, which really are essential to having the beard of your dreams. Plus, you get tools for grilling and leather care, and a 20 dollars gift card for an outdoor menswear shopping spree. You can up your man game with this stash of goods. You don't want to miss out on this chance, but don't delay the Beard Supply. Spring giveaway is ending soon, so get on over to BeardSupply.com slash giveaway to enter. That's BeardSupply.com slash giveaway, and good luck. All right, so the New York Post um, has a report on the, jobs, on the jobs report. Says some economists are emphasizing patience during America's COVID recovery as the country maneuvers through what could be a bumpy path to economic growth. The U.S. added just 266,000 jobs in April, far below economists' um, expectations of one million, and the unemployment rate rose slightly to 6.1%. The lower than expected data comes on the heels of strong gains in March, which saw 770,000 jobs added, about 150,000 lower than initially estimated. Uh, So right now we're trending in the wrong direction, and you can add uh, on top of the, the the jobs report not hitting anywhere close to what they were expecting. You know, again, they were what was it? They were expecting 1.1, or they were they expecting 1 million, and got 266,000. But also, we've got skyrocketing inflation, and the prices of of gasoline and and groceries going up everywhere. And and for some reason, that's not being, and I say for some reason, kind of facetiously, but that's not being discussed very much. So I just wonder, you know, and I'm no. Economist myself, I'm I'm no economic expert. I I don't claim to be. But, you know, could it be, throwing this out there, that's all, something for the the class to, to discuss. Could it be that, as we have been doing, paying people not to work is a bad idea? Could there be a correlation when you pay people not to work Um, and and we've been doing that, of course, for decades, but it's been ramped up over the last year. You pay people not to work, and then you have fewer people working. Could there be a connection? Pay people not to work, fewer people work. Hmm. Hmm. Can't quite figure it out. I don't know. Seems like you might be able to connect those dots. Uh, Who knows? And then also, you start handing out billions of dollars worth of checks to millions of Americans for no discernible reason. And then prices go up. Hmm. Once again, I'm, I don't know. It's almost like there's a direct causal relationship between these. It's almost like any, any person with an IQ above 75 could have seen this coming from a mile away. And I know when I say that we gave out the checks for no discernible reason, that's going to upset some people, and uh, and uh, and I'll be told, "Oh, what do you mean no reason? Didn't you hear about the pandemic?" No, it was for no reason because we gave out—we we didn't give out checks only to people who had lost their jobs. Uh, we didn't give out checks, you know, only to um, people who had lost money or lost their businesses during the lockdowns. That's not what we did. We set, and when I say we, actually the government, set an arbitrary line according to, uh, to household income, and then just sent a check, multiple checks, to everyone below that line, regardless of whether they needed it or not. And most of them didn't. The vast majority of people who got a check didn't lose their job, hadn't lost any significant amount of money, were doing fine financially. The vast majority of people who got the checks were were in a a basically the same position financially during the pandemic that they were in before, and we sent the checks anyway. Billions and billions of dollars, printing that cash. Um, to give out free money, and then prices go up. Catastrophically, suicidally stupid. Idea, And this is what happens as a result. And we haven't even seen the half of it yet about what's going to, what, what's coming. Um, all right. Moving on. Number two, Caitlyn Jenner. Um, you know, t- t- speaking of, of dying on the Hill of defending reality, a lot of conservatives are not interested in doing that. That's not a Hill. Yeah. A lot of conservatives are saying right now, reality who needs it? We'll let let the left have reality. There's still some other hills we can fight over. As long as we get those tax cuts, that's what matters. And those conservatives are lining up behind um, the Caitlyn Jenner candidacy and heaping praise on Caitlyn Jenner, making sure to use the preferred pronouns. But Jenner was interviewed um, by Sean Hannity a few days ago. And I I, I just want to play one clip for you from this interview. Uh, and this, this, this is a clip that got a lot of uh, negative attention from the left. And I think, actually, in this case, for good reason. Let's listen. 18,000 companies have left California. My friends have leaving California. Actually, they were at my hanger. The guy across right of the he was packing up his hanger. I said, where are you going? And he says, I'm moving to uh, Sedona, Arizona. I can't take it anymore. I can't walk down the streets and see the homeless. I don't want to leave. Okay. Either I stay and fight. Or I get out of here. <laughs> so his, uh, he's telling us a story about his friend at the private jet hangar who was leaving California because he doesn't want to see the homeless when he walks down the street. He managed to take the issue of people leaving California for good reason and make it seem elitist and unsympathetic. You know, you'd think we have all the sympathy in the world? That's, that's, that's a very easy. It should be a very easy case to make. People are leaving California. Got very good reason to leave. We should be very sympathetic to the people that are leaving. But he managed to botch that message. Trying to explain why people are leaving California, and his pitch is, "Well, you know, the rich people with private jets—they uh, don't want to see the homeless." That's literally what his case was that he presented. Caitlin Jenner, a uh, terrible advocate, terrible communicator, n- not an effective representative of conservative values, uh, largely because he doesn't have those values at all. He supports tax cuts and, oh, well, he did say only legal immigration. He, he loves immigration, but only the legal kind. And then uh, when he was asked about well, what about the people who are already here, who came here illegally? Well, he said we have to have compassion for them. Have compassion. And, you know, we know what that means. In GOP establishment parlance, what, what that means is uh, is we, we should just that means amnesty is what that means. We all know that. So Caitlyn Jenner, uh, trans rights ad advocate, transgender himself, uh, terrible advocate for for conservative causes. Really bad communicator. Um, No discernible qualifications or leadership qualities at all. And we're going to line up behind this. Why? Oh, well, again, because we we know it'll give us the opportunity to make the case that the Dems are the real transphobes. That's what this is all about. Oh, and also... um, Speaking of Caitlyn Jenner's uh, resume and history, uh, he, he, remember back when he was awarded uh, Woman of the Year? Still hasn't given back that award, by the way. But he was awarded one, Woman of the Year, and when he was doing that media tour, I think it was in the Vogue, what was it, Vogue magazine, where, where he was, you know, he, he Woman of the Year, and did that whole spread. Uh, I think it was in that interview where he said that he tried to convince his wife at the time to abort his oldest daughter. So, uh, th- that we can add that to his conservative credentials, not only pro-abortion apparently, but actually was wanted to kill his own child. Great, great candidate. You got there Republicans, great candidate. All right. Number three, we haven't had a, a mask shaming video in quite a while, not because they haven't been out there, but we haven't played one on the show. So I want to play this for you. This was, uh, A woman at a grocery store minding her own business when a man came up and started harassing her for not wearing a mask. Let's watch. Right there. No mask.
3: Right there. There we go. Candy camera. There we go. I want you to know that your insensitivity is ridiculous. I no longer have grandparents due to this virus because of people like you I'm who sorry, don't want to wear a mask it's in the store, a, it's, it's ridiculous, actually. It's insensitive and it's disgusting as a human being <laughs> for you to show so much privilege to all of these people. There are so many older people in here hey, who have health conditions, pregnant, other people.
2: And I'm not gonna just I'm
3: not oh gonna great! Not, oh well do congratulations if for your pregnant. pregnancy. It's ridiculous, and I want you to know that you're on candid camera, and I want you to know that 4K. Thanks.
0: There is a real crisis of masculinity in this in this culture. That, that's one of the um, not very widely discussed aspects of the, the the lockdowns and everything, and our response to it. Just a whole lot of cowardly, disgraceful, embarrassing men like this guy. Um, cowering, yeah, because that, that, that's the really sad thing, is that in these mask-shaming videos, so often, and not in every case, but so many of these videos that we've played on this show have been men, tearful, scared, ridiculous men, um, screaming at women for not having the masks on. Put a mask on, you're scaring me. Oftentimes, it's men doing that. And uh, of course, he uses his grandparents' death as a, as a cudgel here, as a weapon to wield to, to shame this woman. Now, you can tell he's really upset about his grand grandparents dying. That he's using it as emotional blackmail. But really, your um, your your grandparents died because they got COVID from someone at a grocery store not wearing a mask. Is that what you're saying? Really? that's that's not the way that that most people got covid in fact i'm not aware of any confirmed case of somebody getting covid because someone else cuz they walked they walked by in a in a grocery store aisle they walked by someone without a mask on i'm not aware of one single confirmed case of that vast majority of people got who got covid they got it from other people in their home from long sustained contact with other people you know in their families and around them the 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 correct response to something like that or certainly a justified response to something like that is to grab the phone and i don't blame the woman for not doing this because you know she doesn't know this guy's insane she doesn't she doesn't know how he'll react but uh, i'm just saying a, a more certainly a morally justified response would be to grab that phone and just chuck it all the way across the store. That would absolutely be justified. If you're so afraid, then just leave the store. If you're that afraid, why are you getting up in her face with your phone? And all of the the, the older people that he's talking about at the grocery store, um, they're, if they're if they're concerned, they're wearing masks... And if they really want a vaccination, they probably got one already. If they're that concerned. Older Americans were first in line for um, for the vaccine. Is there any older American in America right now who really wanted the vaccine and hasn't been able to get it yet? There might be a few, but I don't think there's many. Just... Uh, a lot, of cowardly, a lot of cowardly men who, who, who should have been the ones standing up against this, all of this madness, but instead many of them participating in it. Did you know a baby's heartbeat uh, begins at just three weeks? At five weeks, you can hear it on an ultrasound. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, the baby is able to move his or her hands. I'm telling you this because when a mother who is considering abortion is introduced to her child via ultrasound, when she hears the heartbeat for the first time, she's twice as likely to choose life. And that's how Preborn rescued 200 babies every day. They provide mothers with free ultrasounds so that they can meet the life that is growing inside them. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you can sponsor an ultrasound and save a life. And if you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures that, uh, of the lives that you help save. All gifts are tax deductible, and 100% of your donation goes towards saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Walsh. That's preborn.com slash Walsh. All right. uh, Now we go to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming valiantly to the defense of mass murderers. You know, you might think that Planned Parenthood kills over 300,000 babies a year, which it does. But AOC wants you to know that, uh, no, they don't kill babies. They save babies somehow. Let's listen.
4: First and foremost, I don't want to hear a single person on this committee or outside of this committee talk about what about uh, valuing life when they continue to uphold the death penalty, when they continue to support policies that disproportionately incarcerate and lead to the deaths of Black men and people throughout this country, and uphold an a an absolutely unjust medical system that exists for profit that allows people to die because they can't afford to live. In addition to that, if we wanna talk about Planned Parenthood, let's talk about how many lives Planned Parenthood has saved and how many babies have been born because of the prenatal care provided by Planned Parenthood. And if you don't if you don't believe it, and if you've never met a Planned Parenthood baby, I'm happy to let you know that I am one. And that my mother received and relied on prenatal care from Planned Parenthood when she was pregnant with me. And so if we're concerned about life, we don't get to talk about anyone else who's not concerned about the full spectrum of that when we are upholding policies that kill people.
0: Why are you guys complaining about the death camps? I survived it. That's her argument. Well, I, I was a Planned, Parenth- Planned Parenthood baby, whatever that is. My mother went into a Planned Parenthood uh, when she was pregnant and uh, didn't have me dismembered and my skull crushed. So what are you so concerned about? Yeah, she says let's talk about the babies that Planned Parenthood has saved. Okay. Let's talk about it. You brought up the subject. Go ahead. Hum me a few bars. What what do you mean? Tell me. Give me the statistics. How many, how many, in what way is Planned Parenthood saving babies and how many have they saved? Show me the statistics on that because I don't even know what you mean. You babbling nincompoop. Uh, And. If they're saving babies, let's just, for the sake of argument, say that they are, that that is happening, which it isn't happening at all, by the way. But let's say for the sake of argument that they've saved some babies. uh, Are they saving more than 300,000 babies a year? Because that's how many they're killing. And even if they were saving a million babies a year, does that make it okay that they're killing 300,000? Does that erase Yeah, what if if a if a serial killer kills ten women and then uh, and then you know he's at a McDonald's and someone is choking and he, he performs the Heimlich maneuver and saves them? Does that does that erase the, the people that he just killed? As far as Planned Parenthood providing prenatal care to pregnant women, yeah, um, some Planned Parenthood clinics will do that. And the reason that they do it is it's a way of, you know, luring the pregnant women into the building. But their primary business where they make most of their money, aside from the the tax money that's sent to them, half a billion dollars a year. But aside from that, where they're making most of their money is from abortion. That's how they're keeping the doors open. So, yeah, they, they're going to lure people in. they lure the pregnant women in with promises of prenatal care, quote unquote, uh, free birth control and all those things. But what they're really interested in doing is killing the babies. But one of the reasons why Planned Parenthood is able to provide so much, quote unquote, prenatal care is because they're getting all the funding from the government. And so they're able to set up shop in all the cities and everywhere else. And their real purpose is to perform the abortions because that's the moneymaker. But anyone, there are many, many, many thousands of women's clinics out there, pro-life women's clinics, um, pregnancy care facilities, where they don't kill any babies and they will provide all of the same prenatal care and more that Planned Parenthood provides, but they don't get the funding. Okay, no pro-life pregnancy care center is getting half a billion dollars a year in funding like Planned Parenthood. So this is the little trick that you get from Democrats. They say, well, we got to keep funding Planned Parenthood uh, because they're, you know, they're in all these cities and they're providing all this care. Well, they're in all these cities providing all this care because you're funding them. We could quite easily take that half a billion away and give it to facilities that don't kill babies. And there would be no loss of care. But there's more, more compassion there from, uh, from the Democrats and from AOC, compassionately defending baby murderers. All right. Uh, here's here's a, a little bit of good news. A federal judge in Washington on Wednesday declared that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, otherwise known as the CDC, um, their moratorium on, ev- on eviction, a key element of the federal government's efforts to aid those hit hardest by the COVID pandemic, and its economic efforts, um, must be set aside. So this is the a federal judge saying, in other words, sifting through the media's presentation of this, of, this, uh, of this matter, the federal judge is saying that the CDC doesn't have the authority to tell landlords that they can't evict their tenants. Which is good that the, that the judge is saying that, because of course they don't. Obviously they don't. Where does the CDC find, where does it derive its authority to set policy for landlords across the country? To come up with like housing policies and telling landlords that they can't evict their tenants who aren't paying. Obviously, they don't have that authority. That is nowhere in their purview, nowhere in their scope of authority. Uh, But they, they simply took the authority. You know, they didn't have to do much to justify it or to explain why they should have the ability or the power to do this. Uh, they just took it like so many other government agencies and, uh, so many other petty tyrants at every level of government. They didn't have the authority, but they took it because it was a crisis and that's what uh, tyrants do in a crisis. All right. Number five. So I, I got to play this for you. I don't, I don't have to play it, but, but I will. This one is, uh, this is one that you can't fully appreciate without the video accompaniment. It's apparently a video made by a group called the Black Hammer Organization. That's what they call themselves. They're far left, obviously, but they're—they're—I guess they're in a beef with uh, Antifa, specifically Antifa of Colorado Springs. And this is some kind of intra-lefty whack job dispute going on, and they recorded this video. With their leader in full Joker makeup, and all the other people standing in the back in masks, like uh, it's kind of like the, like the the um, the, in the in a cartoon, the main villain, his throwaway goons. So he, so this guy's got those, and they're standing there in the back. And this is what he said:
2: "Hello, Antifa, <laughs> it's me, Gazi, the commander-in-chief of the Black Hammer Organization. Land Back. Land back." Land back. Land back. I heard you had some not-so-nice things to say about me. I heard you had some nice things to say about my hammers. Mm. I heard you had not-so-nice things to do to one of my members, one of my dear, dear members, an African-Filipino mother that you doxed and thought you could get away with it, thought we were going to back down, thought we were going to take it. No, that's not going to happen. You messed with the wrong one this time. Yes, oh yes you did. Oh yes you did. Cause we don't take it lightly when harm is done to our African and colonized women.
0: That. The cringe is so strong on that. Oh, man. See, this supports my theory that Antifa and its rival cousins are, they're really mostly theater kids who didn't have any friends in high school. That's mostly what we're dealing with. And I actually mean that almost sincerely. They might not all be theater kids, but but for them, far left militancy is a cosplay. It's a game. It's a role play. You know, there's there's a really strong element of insincerity, fraudulence, this kind of poser nerdy nerdishness to all of this stuff. Uh, and, And but they're also a real threat, not because any one of them individually are at all intimidating. But when you take a whole mob of people and, uh, and you let them do and they're given free reign by, by law enforcement, they're able to do whatever they want. And you equip them. A lot of times they're out there with guns and bats and things. Yeah, they're going to be anyone. You could have a gang of actual toddlers with bats and guns and crowbars given free reign to roam the city and they'd be a threat. So individually, yeah, just a bunch of absolute nerds, but they'd be given full run to do whatever they want, especially in places like Portland. In fact, there's another video that we, I can't even play because it's just, it's one cuss word after another. You wouldn't be able to hear anything. But there's another video out of Portland of um, Antifa, you know, militants out in the street with guns stopping traffic. And a guy gets out of his car, and he pulls his own gun to defend himself because he's got these whack jobs pointing guns at him, and uh, they mob him and assault him and take him down. And, and, and you know this this is being filmed. No police officer in sight. They're able to do this in Portland and other places. They can go out into the street. They can they can pull out guns. They can stop traffic. Nobody stops them. But we should always keep in mind. That although they're a threat, they, they are a danger for the reasons I've given. These are domestic terrorists and they should be treated as such. But we should always remember that the, the fraudulence, the, the inherent fraudulence to this and uh, and the, the fact that the the anger and the rage that they supposedly feel about whatever injustice they think they're protesting against, it's not real. This is all a game, as we can clearly see there. I think it's probably true to say that most people who have credit cards have a higher balance on those credit cards than they would prefer and certainly are paying a higher interest than they would prefer and a higher interest than they need to pay that's why you gotta you gotta look into lightstream if you're looking for a way to save some extra money why not start by paying less interest on your credit card balances because that's just money you're burning on those interest rates refinance with a credit card co- consolidation loan from lightstream it's an easy way to save hundreds uh, to even thousands of dollars and lower your interest rates at the same time. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 5.95% APR with autopay and excellent credit. You can lower the average credit card interest rate of, of uh, over 18% APR. Plus, there are no fees on top of it. You can get even get your money as soon as the day you apply. So this is stop burning money, start saving money. And just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Walsh. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Walsh. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include 0.5% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Walsh for more information. All right, moving on now to reading the YouTube comments. This one says that, to be fair, Matt, a socially distanced wedding reception without dancing sounds right up your alley. Well, yeah, it is right up my alley. Absolutely. But not like this. Not for this reason. That's what I've been saying all along. That the dancing ban at weddings in, in, in D.C., the idea of a, of a wedding without dancing sounds great to me, but not for the reason that the mayor or the empress of D.C. is giving. And her reason is that somehow dancing causes COVID. Amber Martin says, "Matt, you're totally throwing me off with the new profile picture on Twitter, new podcast cover, and new theme tune. Too much change at once. I can't handle it. Like, I, I understand. I'm not a big fan of change either. Uh, and we did, we did throw a lot at you guys all at once. But you know what? It's for your own good, in the long run. Um, let's see." Deplorable Neanderthal says, my goodness, that new an- intro made me think I was in the wrong place for a moment, but then I realized the host's comments were sufficiently bigoted and I knew I wasn't. Well, there we go. You know, you, 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 you hear the hatred and bigotry and you know you've come to the right place. Uh, Scott says, Matt, I'm watching this while in the sauna. You really have viewers from all around the world. Well, you're obviously banned for the show. From the show for that. Because I, I do not understand. I think I sat in a sauna one time in my life. I don't understand it. And my one time in a sauna. There was nobody else there. And I was there for like two minutes. And what you you sit there. And it's really hot and uncomfortable. And that's it. And you sit there. And then you add other people into the sauna with you. Who are sitting there sometimes half naked. or Or more naked than that. And you're all uncomfortable and sweating and hot, and you're sitting there next to each other, staring aimlessly. What, what is the attraction? What is the appeal? Ban from the show. Um, and Bell says, Matt, I agree there's a lot of mental disorders that are BS, but ODD, oppositional defiance disorder, is different. Basically, the kid will do everything in their power to do things their way. What makes it such an issue is, isn't just the defiance, but the aggression that can come with it. The reason I believe this is a necessary diagnosis is because my approach with those clients is different when I provide them with instruction. My goal isn't isn't whether or not they can complete my task, it's will they do it without destruction or aggression toward others. You make valid arguments for there not being clear boundaries for certain criterion of diagnosis, but maladaptive behavior such as aggression and property destruction should be met with behavior therapy. I'm not advocating for medicating it though, but if we don't have a diagnosis, uh, insurance companies are going to pay uh, aren't going to help, help pay for these extreme behaviors. Well, okay. First of all, describing a kid who wants to do things their own way. Again, I, that, that, that does sound just like a normal kid to me. But if you want to say that there are some kids that are far beyond the average, as far as that goes. And a lot more oppositional and defiant and destructive than other kids. Fine, I agree. And if you want to say that kids who are behaving like that. Who you can't get them to listen at all. And they're very destructive and they're, they're, they're way too aggressive and violent. If you want to say that, okay, we need, to, we need to work with them. Quote unquote behavior therapy, trying to correct those behaviors. Fine, that's totally fine. All I'm saying is is we shouldn't call it a mental illness. You know These kids aren't sick, and they certainly don't have an illness in the sense that somebody with cancer or diabetes has an illness. That's my point. Yeah, there are some behaviors that a person can exhibit, especially kids, that are bad, that you want to correct, that make it difficult for them to function, in home or in a school setting. I'm not saying we shouldn't try to correct those behaviors. I'm only saying that we shouldn't call it an illness. It is simply a behavior that needs to be corrected. Oftentimes you can do that in the home. You know, In, in, in some cases, yeah, it may, it may require therapy. Perfectly fine. But it's not an illness. And it sounds like you would almost agree with that because you're saying you wouldn't medicate it. When you move on to medication, that's when you're treating it like it's an illness or a sickness, you know, along the lines of cancer or diabetes or something, which it isn't. That's my point. You know, we have a lot of great sponsors on this show that we're uh, happy and proud to be able to bring to you. But we want to know, you know, we want to know more when when we're setting up uh, the show and when we have sponsors, we want to know, we want to do that with you in mind. And we want to know what kind of products and services are going to be best for you. And that's why we've got this survey we've been telling you about all week you can go to dailywire.com slash Walsh and fill out my audience survey to tell us a little bit more about yourself. And that way we're going to find the sponsors and service and products that, are, uh, that, that you really want to hear about and tailor it more to you. To sweeten the whole experience, those of you that complete the survey will be entered to win a $1,000 gift card. You can only take the survey once per show, which means you do it once on my show, you get entered for a $1,000 gift card. But you can also go listen to Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, and Andrew Claven get access to their surveys and, um, and uh, have a, even more of a chance to win that, win that card. So, again, my survey link is dailywire.com Walsh. Also, starting tomorrow, Saturday, May 8th, you can get the first episode of Ben Shapiro's new series, Debunked, on his podcast feed. And uh, also a new episode every Saturday for the first season. If you're not familiar, he addresses common leftist talking points and dismantles them in about 15 minutes or less. So you should probably check it out. And it's a great show very well uh, done and put together. Daily Wire members can get the full 10 episode first season over at dailywire.com. If you're not already a member, get 20% off today with code DEBUNKED while the discount lasts. First up, he debunks the fallacy of a living minimum wage uh, and many other fallacies after that. So check it out tomorrow on the Ben Shapiro podcast feed over at Apple, Spotify, or wherever, uh, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. Today for our daily cancellation, we turn to Florida, where in the story we're about to discuss, there are cancellations to be handed out to everyone. Uh, It's once again a Friday cancel fest, which is my favorite kind of Friday. Let's read now from the New York Post report. It says a Florida teen who allegedly uh, schemed with her mom to rig an election for homecoming queen is being charged as an adult. Emily Rose Grover was 17 when she and her mother were arrested for hacking student accounts and casting nearly 250 bogus votes so she could snag the homecoming crown. But Grover turned 18 last month and the state attorney office in Escambia County confirmed Tuesday that she'll be tried as an adult. Grover and her mother, 50-year-old Laura Rose Carroll are facing multiple felonies for fixing the October homecoming vote at Tate High School in Pensacola. Carroll is an assistant principal at Bellevue Elementary School in the same county. Okay, now take a pause here for a minute. Y- you might be thinking that the words charged as an adult and rigged a homecoming queen election should not appear in the same sentence together. This would seem to be an enormously out-of-proportion penalty, given the nature of the offense. But maybe the rest of the story will change your mind. Or maybe it won't. Continuing. An investigation into the vote was sparked uh, a month after the election when Escambia County School District officials reported unauthorized access to student accounts. Investigators said they found 117 votes originated from the same IP address over a short period of time. A total of 246 votes were cast from accounts that were accessed by computers inside the mom and daughter's Pensacola home or from Carol's cell phone. Some students said Grover had boasted about using her mother's school district account to cast the votes. Investigators learned that since August 2019, Carol's account accessed 372 high school records and 339 of those were Tate's students. Charges against the mom and daughter included unlawful use of a two-way communications device and criminal use of personally identifiable information. Um, Each faces a maximum of 16 years on the charges. And Grover was expelled from her high school, according to the AP. All right. So no, actually, the rest of the story really doesn't change the initial judgment, that this is a wildly overboard response. Yes, they accessed student accounts to rig the homecoming election. Uh, That's bad, but it's a homecoming election. Now, if, if if the article had said that they had murdered her potential challengers to the throne and buried them in the woods in order to win homecoming queen, I'd agree that felony charges and many years in prison would be in order. But for this, why is the court system concern concerning itself with this at all? Is life in Escambia County so sunny and perfect and conflict free that they have time to use the criminal courts to litigate a homecoming election controversy? I would have thought that this offense would warrant maybe a few days of after school detention or suspension at most, but arrest, expulsion and 16 years in prison This is like deer hunting with an M60. The the, the term overkill doesn't even begin to cover it. But that's not even what makes this case especially outrageous. For that, we have to hearken back to another story from a few weeks ago. You might recall this. uh, Reading now from the Post Millennial, it says, The two teen girls who were charged with murder after allegedly attempting to hijack the car of a Pakistani immigrant working for a food delivery app have reached a plea deal with prosecutors, according to the Daily Mail. The Mail reports that the plea deal ensures that they will not be held past the age of 21 nor be placed in a prison facility. Disturbing video of the incident shows Muhammad Anwar 66 being killed after the girls allegedly sped off with his car as he attempted to hold on to his vehicle while it drove off. The car then crashed and flipped on its side, killing Anwar. The suspects are a 13-year-old from Southeast D.C. and a 15-year-old from Fort Worth, Washington. Um, The juveniles' names were not released. So two teen girls who carjacked a guy killed him in the process and left him for dead on the sidewalk while they frantically tried to save their phones from the wreck, were not charged as adults and faced no prison time at all. But a teen girl who rigged a homecoming election will be charged as an adult and faces a decade and a half behind bars. Does that make any sense? What exactly is the message we're getting from the justice system here? That it's kind of bad to kill a guy for his car, but to fraudulently claim the title of homecoming queen is an atrocity on a whole new level? That theft and murder are mere youthful indiscretions, but sending in fake votes for homecoming queen isn't? That two girls who killed a man and cared more for their lost phones than his lost life present no threat to the community, but the silly girl who cheated the system so she could wear a tiara and a sash for a night has to be locked in a cage in order to protect the innocent? Perhaps that's the message. Or the message is that justice has become a mostly random and arbitrary thing in this country. And it's very often determined by the ideological bent of the person doling it out. Now, it's fair to point out that these are two different jurisdictions, right? Florida and D.C. Perhaps down in Florida, uh, where they give the homecoming queen 16 years, maybe they'd give the carjacking murderers 16 decades. That's certainly possible. But it still does provide a stark contrast. And also, can't help but note, just one more piece of evidence that white privilege is an imaginary construction of the left. It's not a reality. Because the girl getting the book thrown at her is white. The girls who got a slap on the wrist for killing another human being are black. Now, even if they're different jurisdictions, this is certainly not the sort of dichotomy you would envision in a country with white privilege. You know, if someone, if someone on the left, if you didn't know anything about this country, and, and, and someone on the left told you about white privilege... And then you saw these two stories, you'd be really, really confused. In fact, you'd probably envision something like the exact reverse of this situation. So what does that tell you? Well, it tells you for one thing that the white privilege myth is canceled. And so is Florida. And so is this girl's mom, because obviously she's the one who should get almost all the blame for this crime in the first place. I can say that when I was 17, if my parents came to me and suggested suggested that I cheat on anything and offered to help me do it, my response at that age would have been, really? Hell yeah, let's go. What 17-year-old wouldn't have that reaction to their own parents suggesting that they cheat? So the mom is canceled, along with the whole state. And D.C. is canceled also. And uh, everyone else remotely connected to either of these stories is canceled. Just how I like to end it on a Friday. And we'll leave it there. Hope you have a great weekend. Talk to you next week. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show. Michael Knowles Show, the Andrew Claven Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton. Executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager Pavel Vodasky. The show is edited by Sasha Tolmachov. Our audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Klavan, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Klavan Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Klavan Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Klavan.
3: Get the most out of your time in the outdoors and go to forlow.com and use code DailyWire for 20% off your purchase. That's forlow.com code DailyWire.